Carl Heyman, one of the uh, great All Blacks, of course, considered one of the world's best tight heads. He was the 1,000th All Black when he made his debut against Samoa back in 2001. Went on to play 45 tests. Turned down future All Black contracts, if you remember, to play overseas for the last eight years of that 17-year career with the aim of setting him and his family up. Recently, of course, he's made news for different reasons. He's become the first All Black of his generation to be diagnosed with early-onset dementia. His book, Head On, is out, and Carl Heyman is with us. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Thanks for thanks for having me. And not at all. Medically, where are you at? Talk us through it. Um, yeah, I guess at the moment um, it's a real daily management um, from from my point of view in terms of um, managing daily life. Um, the best way I've had it described to me is um, you've got a bucket of brain energy. Everyone's got a bucket of brain energy and your bucket's half full and it's got holes in it, so you've got to um, use it carefully, um, so to speak. So, yeah, it's a real um, a real daily management in terms of, um, you know, a lot of mental health things as well, like with anxiety and um, depression and, and just trying to manage each day and, and get the best out of it. It doesn't mean that it's all um, doom and gloom, but it mm. certainly... Um, present some challenges. That's what I get out of the book, apart from anything else, um, the, the, this hope. Do you feel hope? Yeah. Um, I think it's just about accepting it for what it is, uh, Mike, and, and um, you know, getting on doing doing the best you can. Um, and it hasn't been a, a smooth road at all. Um, there's been ups and downs along the way. Um, but I guess that's the only, well, um, you know, that's that's a choice you sort of have to take, mm. um, in my opinion. The book itself is is interesting to the extent, I don't know you, but, but I followed you, obviously, in your career. You struck me as your classic all-black forward. Man of action, not a lot of words. And now suddenly we're putting a lot of words into a book and we're having to talk to a lot of people about it. Is, is that comfortable or uncomfortable? Um. Reasonably comfortable, Mike. To be honest, um, you know the, um, you know what potentially is uncomfortable was you know the the contents and the content and the openness. I think of the book, um, and when I first thought about um, writing or you know of doing a book, it was, you know, I've got two choices here as to you know um, disappear off into the sunset and just get on with my life and and uh, do the best I can um, or I just thought there was a bigger picture um, here for um, rugby um, you know especially for players uh, modern day players um, and with a lot of the things that are going on um, around um, repetitive head injuries and and I just thought it was an important story that needs to be needs to be aired um, and I think if I didn't say something or um, stick my hand up then you know that's not doing the modern day player any service at all um, you know and, and I think already over the last few years we've seen a number of changes that have been brought in um, because of various things that are happening in the in the rugby world. The interesting thing about it is, and, and what shocked me, is, is is we know about concussion, or most of us know a bit about concussion, but what you're talking about in, in, in your story is every time you hit a, crumb, a scrum machine, 
Every time you went in, something happens to your brain, and that's that's applicable to every single rugby player, that something in your head is shaken about. Do you think most people comprehend that it can be that simple, that easy? No, I don't think so. I think it's quite blurred, uh, blurred for the use of the term. It's, um, you know, a lot of people think it's actually the one-off concussions that are yeah. uh, the big problem and, and the repetitive concussions, um, you know, but in my case, I was very rarely concussed, to use the word, in a, um, a sense where I was unable to continue playing. Um, but, you know, what's affected me is over um, 17, 18 years of, um, you know, and potentially even before that, before I started playing professionally, was, you know, just the repetition of week in, week out uh, trainings, um, you know, just being exposed to not necessarily knocks that would um, make me unconscious or make me dizzy, but um, they were um, knocks all the same and just the the added toll of those knocks over a long period of time is, is what has um, led me to have a lot of these symptoms and um, and struggles, yeah. Uh, what I want to know, Cole, you know, do you second-guess yourself once you get that diagnosis? So for your story, it's the short-term stuff, right, that's the problem. So you can, you know, remember all the all-black games, but as you say, you can't necessarily remember yesterday. So do you then... You know, like second guess yourself. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? What's happening? Do you do your head in like that? Um, yeah, I think to some extent you can overthink and, you know, when you are given some news like that, um, you can tend to, yeah, you do um, ask yourself the question, like, is that, and, you know, I leave the stove on regularly, like, and then you think, is that my, uh, yeah. Is that's what's happening, or but then other people leave the stove on as well, quite likely. But so you sort of um, can work yourself into a bit of a, yeah, you know, um, overthink things. Um, that's for sure. The what I can't get, and you can clear this up for me, is 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 your some of the mood swings, some of the, I guess, abuse of alcohol. Was that directly connected to your condition? Or was there a, a bit of you? And one of the interesting stories I found is that when you went to Britain, you got paid a lot of money. You're allegedly one of the highest paid rugby players in the world. Big dream was to come back to New Zealand, set yourself up on the farm. Your then wife didn't want to do that for a variety of reasons. So you went back to France and you were aggrieved and you didn't really want to be there and you didn't want to go into coaching. How much of that do you think was about just you being a bloke versus something medical? Um, for me, I think it was, you know, there was probably a mix of, you know, um, I'd say around, you know, that time after my career, there was a, um, on one hand, I was dealing with health issues that I didn't really even know about. Um, on the other side of things, it was sort of not really how it envisaged uh, life moving forward. So um, I guess there is a little bit of a, you know, uh, I suppose a mix of, of things there um, around that time. That was was a complicated sort of time in my life. Um, I think you throw in the mix uh, a change of career into a coaching job, and um, there was a lot of lot of moving parts. Um, but I think after getting through that and come, you know, coming out the other side, and then to still 
have um, you know I have a great or a pretty good relationship with um, with my wife or ex-wife um, now with our kids and stuff like that so good. to get through that and to still still be having these um, you know these issues going on um, for me kind of demonstrate that you know there is an underlying issue of from um, the head injury side of things and, yeah. and what's going on. Sure. The, 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 the court case you're involved in, the, the class action, what ideally do you want to happen out of that? Um, for me, it's, I think, change. You know, it's, um, I just, I think for a long time there's been this, oh, we need more research. Um, we, you know, it's uncertain that this is an issue. Um, and I think really pushing for for change in the in the game and a change of attitudes. I think even with the legal case already, we've seen you know a change in attitudes from players and and I think to some extent um, you know teams themselves about you know getting guys off the field. It's not perfect, um, but there's I think certainly there's been a you know the publicity that it's brought has has led to some change already. I think, um, you know, and I'm not sure whether that change would have happened if it hadn't have been for the, you know, the publicity that this has, this has brought. Um, I think everyone's scenario is different. Um, Mike, like I know a lot of these guys in the UK um, can't hold down jobs anymore um, because they are, they are unable to, Essentially, function norm. Uh, nor, would say normally enough to to hold down a hold down a job um, because their you know their mental health is at a, such an extreme that um, they're unable to, to do so. So, obviously, for those guys, there's a you know um, who looks after like who looks after them. Um, you know, so there's that aspect I think to. Um, to it as well and I think an important thing is, is support for um, you know a big question is who's who's there to support yeah. um, these guys to a certain extent and and if they do need care moving forward um, then you know that's a huge burden on a on a family um, to provide so um, I think there's a number of things I'd like to see personally Mike I think education is probably a big thing Um think players need to be educated um, about the actual risks of of um, what's what's going on here um, I think there needs to be some serious discussions around you know the calendar um, you know there's a number of players from the 80s who, who have issues with dementia um, some of them have been publicized and there's a lot out there who haven't been Um you know what they played six months a year um, in the eighties and all amateur, and now we've gone to the professional age, and yeah. it's ten months a year and trainings every day, basically. So, you know what's a what's a safe level, what's a good level of or amount of rugby for these guys to be playing, um, and on the back end of that is a really robust support um, mm-hmm. network for players and their you know and their families. Well, you're a great advocate for it, and uh, the the book's a brilliant read, by the way. And congratulations on uh, and all of that. It's a it's a good, bold, and brave, and 
an honest account, and I enjoyed it. And and I've enjoyed meeting and talking with you as well. And all I do is wish you all the very best. Thank you, Mike. Thanks very much, Cal Heyman. Uh, the book is called Head On. Just a note, by the way. Uh, speaking of, for more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from six AM weekdays, or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.